You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back to Real Presence Live. We had an awesome first uh, half hour here with uh, Dr. Philip Porter and Isaac Pop from the University of Mary uh, talking about the certificate in uh, Catholic in prayer and spiritual direction that the U Mary is offering this this summer. Phenomenal. I am certainly drawn myself, so we'll have to see if I can make that work or not. But uh, we're, we're getting ready for another powerhouse uh, event coming up very, very soon that's universal across the entire Universal Church, this triduum that will be starting here in a few days and the, the Holy Thursday and culminating in the Easter Vigil, uh, the, the mother of all liturgies within the life of the Church. And we are joined now by Keith Braddock. Uh, Keith is coming through the RCIA program here at St. Mary's Cathedral in Fargo that I have the privilege to be a part of. Um, good morning to you, Keith. Hey, good morning. Thanks for being with us this morning. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. It's kind of surreal because I listen to this uh, literally every day. So being on the radio is exciting. That is awesome. Uh, we're excited to have you on the radio, Keith. You, uh, it's been it's been great getting to know you uh, over these last many months. Um, I, it's a privilege that I have that most of our listeners don't. So I'm wondering if you could do a little bit to introduce yourself uh, to to those who are listening right now, just like you do. Sure. Um, so my name is Keith Braddock. I am a psych major at NDSU right now. Um, and if you go to St. Mary's Cathedral. I've ran into multiple people who, when they meet me, they're like, oh, that's the Keith that somebody else told me about. Um, so I'm, I'm really involved at uh, St. Mary's, um, and I have, I'm the oldest out of four, uh, three siblings, and this is the third most exciting thing to happen to me this month. Um, oh. I am getting confirmed at the Easter Vigil on Saturday night, and then next Friday, the 22nd, I'm actually going to get married. Yes. So oh, wow. it's a... Uh, a, a real zinger of a, of a month, and then I graduate in May. So it's just back-to-back-to-back to back to back, um, busy. Bang, bang, bang. Oh, but it's such beautiful, <laughs> beautiful time in your life, but also it's just immersed with the sacraments. Yeah, yeah. I said you're yes. prepping yeah. for a spiritual smackdown. <laughs> now uh, I understand. Well, I <laughs> yeah, I hope it's nicer than that, but the Lord <laughs> has a sense of humor. Oh, amen to that. Oh, so tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about your experience of religion and the Catholic faith growing up. Yeah, uh, so I was born and raised in a very good Christian household, uh, fundamentalist, you know, non-denominational. Uh, my grandparents, they took us to church every Sunday. My parents took us to church every Sunday. And uh, even though we were non-denominational, we still went to a Baptist church, hmm. uh, so we went to a Southern Baptist church, and uh, we broke the two rules that make you Southern Baptist. We drank and danced. Oh boy! So we weren't really the we weren't the best Southern Baptists, but uh, my my parents really instilled a deep love of just the Bible and just God and Jesus and who He is in my life. Uh, so my grandma actually is a lapsed Catholic. So growing up, it was an interesting dynamic because. That Southern Baptist mentality of the Church, you know, they don't believe that Catholics are Christian. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, I mean, they're very much militant against Catholicism. Um, but I was taught that, yeah, Catholics are misled Christians, but, you know, some of them would be saved because there's true devotion to Jesus, and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I never really had an opinion against 
Catholics, but I definitely would scoff at people. And I had some friends that now, you know, I've eaten my words because I would tell them they're not saved. And here I am coming to the church. So, <laughs> Sure. So they're kind of like the spiritual flat earthers. Exactly. That's what it was in my mind. Oh, well, it, the world is round, <laughs> and we are so grateful to God for it being that way and everything. I I think everyone just has a personal journey, and the more and more as I um, go through this journey myself, it, it's just trusting in God's divine providence, and whether it's a suffering or a joy, I mean, it's just like He has... He knows what's good for us, and He knows the perfect timing for us in all things, and uh, it's just truly beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you have quite a, a story, too, Keith. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you <laughs> first became interested in the Catholic faith and how this all came about? Sure, yes. So this is the heavily noted version, but basically, I had left my faith uh, going into college. Um, I, I was at a party, and I saw some kids worshiping the next day that were also at the party. Uh, so I was just so turned off from Christianity because of the hypocrisy. Mm. Uh, so I just got really deep into secular, you know, God, yeah, agnostic is what I would say. And uh, I had a, a revelation kind of uh, November of 2020. I was going to break up with my current fiance now, you know, future wife. I was going to break up with her. I was all alone. And God just came and I, I like to describe it as like Jesus was in front of me and gave me a hug. And then there was a Bible on my desk, and I didn't even own a Bible at that time. So really, I mean, just a miraculous experience of, oh, okay. So I read the entire book of Luke, and I knew that Christ in the gospel, that's the guy I want. Hmm. I don't want the world's view of Jesus. So I actually got really big into listening to Catholic Answers, because my brother, he came into the church just this past Christmas. So he was a little bit ahead of me in terms of researching and getting to know, and, uh, I would listen to Catholic Answers while I painted Warhammer 40K miniatures. So there are these little figurines that you play a tabletop game with. And I would listen for hours at a time. I think one day it was almost 12 hours straight of just Catholic Answers live. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at the same time, I, I worked a job that I would be out until midnight or 1 a.m. And around that time, it's always the journey home on RPR. Mm-hmm. And I just was so... Uh, thrilled with listening to other people going through the similar kind of struggles and doubts that I've had. Uh, so I kind of made this decision, and what happened was the, the turning point when it just became idly researching Catholicism versus the conviction to join the Church. It was right around August, um, and I was actually supposed to be married in August, mm-hmm. and then because that was going to be in the non-denominational Church, uh, I wasn't I couldn't go forward with it because I didn't believe in it. I knew Catholicism was true. But what happened was I was riding my bike, listening to, uh, I think it was Catholic Answers, and uh, they were talking about the Eucharist, and it just clicked. I knew the Eucharist was real. And I just, like, stopped riding my bike and just started weeping because I was so sad I had to become Catholic. I was like, come on, Lord. Couldn't have waited another month and a half for me to, you know, get married, and then I could go through it then, right? Uh, so it's it's been a really good experience just coming to know and talk to a lot of uh, what Catholicism is. Right, yeah. Uh, so you were, how far in advance of the, the wedding was it that you guys postponed it or called it off um, because you couldn't go forward? So, yeah, we were a month, exactly a month out from uh, 
getting married, and then we postponed it to I wanted to get married the soonest I could after I was confirmed. So Friday after Easter, perfect. <laughs> uh, so it was really good, and we one of my biggest uh, just blessings of that whole time was uh, the priests that were involved. So Father Phillips, he's one of the priests over in Minot. Hmm. I met with him with Maddie, and we met and talked for four hours straight. And you want to talk about getting RCIA condensed. <laughs> he just fed all of it to us. We talked about, I mean, we got into moral theology, which is something you usually don't talk about when you're initially looking into getting into the faith. Right. <sighs> and then, yeah, just the priests along the way. They've, there's been, I mean, all the priests in Fargo, I know all of them, and they're all great. <laughs> That that is just so awesome, Keith. I'm just listening here, and I'm like, tell me more, tell me more. It's just so beautiful. I, you know, Brad knows this. Every time we have an interview with the RCIA candidate, or you know, when they come into the church and they're introduced, you know, uh, before they go off for their formation. Um, their journey uh, to mm-hmm. to the Easter Vigil. It's very emotional to me. You know, my dad grew up that Southern Baptist, and he's a, a mm. full convert and probably the one Catholic in the whole world that I so look up to in his journey mm-hmm. and his dedication to the faith, and it's just so beautiful. And so when you say Eucharist and, you know, and how you were moved to tears, um, that was even my... Uh, just this last Sunday, we had a dear friend for over 28 years, had no idea he went to school in a Catholic church or Catholic school in California, but left to become Baptist. And during the Eucharist, we invited him to come with, and a tear started rolling down his eye, mm. his cheek. And, yeah. and then I'm just like a mess by then. I mean, our poor priest, Father Duke Scherz, got to wonder why I'm crying all the time at Mass. <laughs> but it's just, I just, I'm so immersed in it. And, and I, it was just so moving and so beautiful because yeah. the Eucharist, the, it's, that's, oh. Yes. I can't even speak. That's how, wow, it is. Yeah. Yeah, Keith, uh, so... I mean, you shared a lot about the, the enthusiasm, the way that, that the Lord just grabbed you with the truth of the, the faith. Were there any challenges that you encountered along the way? Were there things that were, were difficult, or was it kind of like it all fell right in place? Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> I have a whole list of things that used to be uh, personal offenses, I would say. But yeah. uh, through the grace of God, I, I really have been able to get over it. But yeah, the biggest problem for me was losing all of our people. Hmm. I mean, I all of my friends at the non-denominational church, I mentioned I wanted to be Catholic, and all of them wiped their hands clean of me, wanted hmm. nothing to do. Um, so that was the hardest part, was just being an island of, you know, it's just me and my girlfriend, and there's nothing else, you know? Mm-hmm. like it was, it was really hard. And a lot of the other teachings of the church... Uh, really weren't an issue for me, because once the Eucharist clicked into place, if I could believe a piece of bread is literally Jesus, who cares what the teaching on Mary is? Who cares about <laughs> praying to the saints? Like, I knew that I could trust the Church, because that, that claim of it being literally Jesus, all right, that's been proven to me. Everything else will fall into place. Yeah. So it was easy in terms of the theology, but yeah, the, the environment and culture and the friends that I lost along the way, that was definitely the hardest part. Yeah, yeah. You definitely were like Jesus in the garden, and when everyone just abandoned him, yeah. and 
you know, and he stayed the course. And, yeah. and God bless you for that. Yeah, well, Keith, we're going to have to take a quick break here, but I, I really want to continue this conversation when we get back on the other side of this. This is fantastic, and I'm so excited about what God is doing for you and for so many people around the globe right now and during this Holy Week. So uh, stay with us. We're going to be back with more Real Presence Live right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management's properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. For questions, Rose Management can be reached at 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. At the University of Mary, we offer an education for the whole of life. Our values-based, flexible, and affordable education will prepare you for success and help you become a leader in your field. Whether you want to start your degree for the first time or continue your education, whether you are a working professional or want to pursue school full-time, join us for an education that will help you make a positive impact in our community. Discover the Mary difference. Umary.edu. That's umary.edu. We, we get so turned in on ourselves sometimes yeah. as social scientists that we look at our methods and our, and that's great. You know, and that's wonderful. Many good and great discoveries. But if you've only studied psychology and you haven't studied philosophy and you haven't done theology, you've got to understand that you've got just one part of the human experience. You've only mm -hmm. understood one part of the human experience. You know, great theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar talked about how um, the same thing could happen even in theology, that the theologians can get so much in their head, mm -hmm. you know, and, and get so rational and cognitive about their study of theology. And he has this great line, he said, everyone should be doing theology from their knees. And I've, I've adopted mm. that in what I do. And I look at, okay, I'm going to do psychology from my knees, meaning I'm a psychologist, but I'm a psychologist who's in relationship with God and want to bring other people into that relationship with God or, or strengthen their already existing yeah. relationship with God. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Real Presence Live. We are having an awesome conversation with an awesome guy, Keith Braddock, who is coming uh, through the RCIA program preparing for confirmation, First Holy Communion. He's already received uh, confession. He'll be receiving uh, the sacrament of holy matrimony on the fr Easter Friday. It's just, wow, you are getting flooded with grace, my friend. <laughs> yeah, grand slamming those sacraments. Exactly. <laughs> I like exactly. that, especially in baseball season. I like that. Yep. <laughs> so, Keith, I mean, uh, there are several things that have kind of struck me in our conversation. Like, one of them, I don't know how familiar you are with the story of the conversion of, of St. Augustine. Um, oh, yeah, that was one of the ones I love. I, I mean, just as you're account, recounting your own story about how you have this kind of experience with the Lord and you've got the Bible there, and it's like, yeah, take and read. That, that's exactly what this little child in, in St. Augustine's, I don't know if it was a mystic vision or what it was, but he has a little child that says, Tola lege, take and read. 
you're supposed to take the take up the Bible and read that, and that's kind of becomes the, the vehicle of of transformation of conversion for Augustine. And it seems like you had almost the identical experience, uh, perhaps without a child telling you, but uh, but this aspect of of being drawn into the Word of God, and and you're one that it's just been really cool to to come to know you and and consider you a friend. Um, throughout this RCIA process, that it's not just like you're being lit up by the truth of of Christ that's passed on through the church, but that you want you're eager to share that with with everyone you can. So you've you've even started up uh, like a, a men's book study, right? Yeah, yeah. So I really wanted to get a just a, a community, uh, especially with the RCIA guys, because there's nine men going through RCIA right now. Mm-hmm. So we actually started a once-a-week book group reading The Imitation of Christ by Kempis, and it's just been a, a real learning period for all of us and getting to know each other. That's cool. And, and it is, when you have those good holy friends that help lift each other up, I mean, community is a big part of our journey. Huge, yeah, huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've mentioned before that that with RCIA, in my experience over the last twenty years, one of the biggest indicators of whether someone continues in the faith or not is not so much how excited they are while going through RCIA. It's what sort of a community do they have to support them in that afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a, it's a great yeah. move of wisdom on your part, Keith, to to cultivate that community. Yeah, and I definitely, especially you know, COVID whatever your thoughts are, mm-hmm. people are isolated. And I love, I love St. Mary's just because the, the culture after Mass, you know, the, the caramel rolls mm-hmm. on Sunday at 10 after the Mass, that's my favorite time because I've met so many people. And just to say that that's not the point of church and that we just go to Mass and then we go home, like that's just so sad to me. Mm-hmm. And especially because I did lose so many friends. Um, yeah, I definitely, I want everybody and come, be comfortable coming to a fellow parishioner because we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. So put aside your political differences. Put aside what you have a notion of as somebody being this way or this way. Just be a friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. that true authentic friendship is is just so hard to find. And, and sometimes God just <laughs> leads us to the desert and He empties us of of those former friendships, you know, so that we can just be filled with Him. You know, it's, uh, we live in a world that, I I know we've talked about it a lot, that like everything's tolerable, but nothing's forgivable, and there's so much judgment of others, and, you know, even the power and greed that just, you know, it's just really like daunting. But um, there's always people always trying to change others, and yet what Lent teaches us is, how we need to change ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, and just yeah. to be like Jesus is that one true friendship. And when we have mm-hmm. friends that are truly living in his truth, that can be some authentic friendship that uh, take us through our lifetime. Yeah. And definitely with one of the things that I've really enjoyed about the RCIA process, I thought I was ready to come into the church when I started it in August. And I was so on fire. I talked to Mary. Brad knows that mm-hmm. she's very, uh, very, very much about waiting the time out and mm-hmm. kind of biding it so that you get that desire more so. And I, if it wasn't for, I think Brad actually, the first thing you told me that first class of RCIA, go to adoration, go to mass, yeah. be with Jesus, because that's the only thing that matters. 
And it doesn't matter what other sacraments, like, you know, I wanted to get married, but that's not the point of the church. That's not the point is that I'm able to, you know, if my brother joins, he wants to be a priest. Like, that's not the point. It's Jesus at the center. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and that's in that whole period of discernment. It's like when we discern, is Jesus part of that discerning? You know, uh, God, mm-hmm. God's will be done. You yeah. know, in us, and uh, and that's that's a hard thing for us with our human nature. Yeah, you know. But yeah. uh, God bless you. Just understanding how important community is and and nurturing that. Yeah. So Keith, um, I, I'm sure that you could kind of go in a variety of different directions here, but what are some of the blessings that you've experienced as you've gone through RCA? Are there some things that kind of have stood out as like, wow, that was extraordinary. What a grace. Yeah. I, for me, the biggest one is the tradition and the richness of our heritage. And not just the Western, but I love the Eastern philosophies. I mean, you want to talk about a different train of thought. Look at the Eastern Orthodox fathers, because Yes, they're not Roman Catholic, but they're still in communion with the Church to an extent. Mm-hmm. And so I just love learning about um, Divine Mercy Chaplet is like my favorite thing, mm. because with the Rosary, it's too many words, I forget, whatever. <laughs> and I love Mary, don't get me wrong, but I just love the, the richness of the Stations of the Cross, especially Divine Mercy. They're just, they, they bring a, the spiritual life to a greater extent, where it's not just me and my own personal Jesus. It's me and a group of these, you know, I went to a Tuesday afternoon Mass, and that's how I got started with the RCIA process. I talked to Father Kuhn at the Tuesday Mass, and they were all, I mean, we're talking 30 people, and they're all praying the Rosary after the Mass. And just being able to learn and understand, okay, everything in the Mass, the Liturgy of the Word is set up because it reflects the Jewish tradition, it's theologically rich in the, I mean, Latin Mass, Everything has a theological virtue. And uh, just getting that explained to you in a classroom with the priests, I mean, we've had the, the great ability to have all these different people come in with different specialties. I think of Tim Mosier when he came in and talked about bioethics. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, put that fire into me, because I hadn't been very uh, one way or another with abortion. And now, after hearing it explained to you in a sense that this guy is not just saying he believes it. He lives it. That's what is so impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and our prior guests, they talked about the theoretical and uh, the theological, I'm sorry, and then the applied and mm-hmm. like getting your hands dirty kind of thing. Yeah, and, spiritually speaking. Yeah, yeah yep. spiritually speaking. And so, and that is just really beautiful because that's what brings our, our faith alive. So, uh, Keith, you had mentioned uh, Divine Mercy as being very powerful for you. If I, I hope you don't mind if I ask, what was the experience of going to confession like for you the first time? Uh, it was great. I told everybody I knew, I went to confession for the first time, and I was, on, I was ecstatic. Um, I really thought it's just, it's something I've never even considered as, I mean, my Protestant mindset. It mm-hmm. makes me very... Uh, nervous because, oh, what if that priest holds it against me? Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, the first time, I, I was so nervous I was ready to throw up. <laughs> I got out of it. As soon as the priest said the words of absolution, I was like, in another dimension. I was so light. I felt, I rode my bike to, because uh, it was like 60 degrees outside on that Sunday. Yeah. I rode my bike back home. No memory of it whatsoever. Like, I did my penance, I'm pretty sure. But I was just so overwhelmed with this 
uh, just gratefulness because this is what it was like when I was baptized. Like, I am sinless, and God wants me with Him. He mm. doesn't want to hold my sins against me. And that's actually why I like the Divine Mercy Chaplet so much, because that was my first penance. Mm. And learning about St. Faustina, I mean, the Polish saints are the group, I, I love them, because my, my patron saint is going to be John Paul II. So oh. I love the Poles. Like, they just have such a deep spiritual understanding, and Faustina understood it because it's the mercy that Jesus wants us to focus on, not the punishment. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're coming to the toward the end here, Keith. Are there any uh, any thoughts, any advice you'd offer to someone that's considering uh, joining RCIA or checking it out? So sometimes people will come to RCIA like I have no intention of becoming Catholic. I'm just I'm dating this person that's Catholic, or I'm married to this yeah. person that's Catholic, or I've got a someone in my life that like they just they won't go away <laughs> what um what yep. what exact what advice would you offer to someone that's curious about finding out more yeah well the biggest one would be choose three or four problems that you think the catholic church has hmm. if it's mary if it's praying to the saints if it's the eucharist whatever don't overwhelm yourself trying to learn it all focus on up to three or four problems and really learn about them hmm. um that was what i was taught that was the advice I was given, and it helped me immensely because I told you earlier, I didn't have to worry about, okay, this, 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 this. I focused on one issue. God solved it. Thank you. Uh, the other one is go to adoration and mass as much as you can. Hmm. I know it's hard because you can't take communion, but being with God in the adoration chapel, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last one that I really want I mean, if you're going to go through our CIA, Luke 12, 49 through 53, Jesus says that, he came to divide, you know, father against son and mother against sister. Um, and just, like, count the cost that you're following Jesus. You're going to lose it all. And really learn who God is, who Jesus in the Gospels is. Awesome. Oh, well, that is just so wonderful, yeah. Keith. You know, we have to go. We have a hard break, but we are so grateful that you joined us. Yeah. And God bless you yeah, this holy thank weekend. Thanks so much, man. Looking forward to this weekend with you. Uh, yes. <laughs> All right, God bless you. We'll be back with more Real Presence Live right after this.